happy Mother's Day. Make sure that you step um, into the welcome. Uh, uh, when you step out into the lobby, we actually have some special gifts for you. So when you step out and you look to the right, we have some plants that we were we put together. They're, they're uh, succulents. Succulents. Um, with cups that um, we had customized and made. Nick actually helped us out. Let's give her a hand. Nick! And I think we have plenty, so if you want to take a couple, you can. So a couple quick announcements for you. If you're a first-time guest, make sure that you fill out the communication card in front of you. Drop it off with Lisa in the back. We have a special gift for you. Also, small groups is still going on, and so if you're not a part of small groups, we have three that are going on. We have one on Sunday nights that isn't meeting this Sunday because it's Mother's Day, but we meet Sunday nights. We have another one that meets at Wednesday night at the Wednesday night at the Desi's, and then we also have a third one that meets at Matt's house on Friday for the young adults. All the information is back at the Welcome Center, so if you want to be a part of that, I encourage you to come and check the one on Sunday nights out because it's the best, right, Nick? Yes, it's the best. Um, <laughs> Fridays is the best. Um, also, um, at our we had our annual business meeting um, about a month back. And there are some questions specifically about the qualifications for a, uh, a board member. And so the board got together and we kind of reworked the wordage. And so there's a copy of that um, back at the Welcome Center. If you're a member or maybe you just kind of want to know a little bit more about it, make sure that you stop there and pick it up. On Sunday, May 23rd, immediately following service, we're going to have just a quick um, business meeting. It should probably only last a couple minutes, maybe maybe five, ten minutes, unless there's lots of questions. But we're just going to clarify that amendment to the board notes. It's interesting, um, at our last business meeting, we amended our notes. And I don't know the last time they were amended. So we amended a few different things. And so, um, so yeah, it's kind of exciting. We're moving, we're changing, we're developing, and we're growing. And so, if, again, if you want to take a look at that, we're going to vote on that in two weeks. And actually, that's the same Sunday we're having our TC Kids Sunday. And so you want to make sure that you're here anyways because the kids are going to be doing some special things. Uh, Genevieve's going to be singing a song. Oh. So that should be really cool or really scary. Um, and then uh, the kids, I think they have some puppet stuff. It's just going to be a lot of fun. And so, you know, last week we had the stuff with the youth. Pastor Nate did a great job. Let's give him a hand. And so in two weeks, we're going to have the kids doing stuff. And so, um, so yeah, so those are kind of the different things that are coming up. Um, and we appreciate you being here this morning. And so we're going to bless the Lord with our tithes and with our offerings. And so I'd like to call the ushers forward. Um, you can uh, give in the bucket or you can give online. Um, but we do believe that giving is a part of who we are. And so um, test the Lord in this, it says in Scripture. And so God, we thank you that we have this op op uh, opportunity to give today. We thank you um, for the resources that you've given us, Father. And, and I just thank you that we... Um, we can be a blessing. And God, I just pray that uh, these funds will go to further your kingdom and uh, to expand your good, your good news. We give you the glory and the praise. Amen. All right. If you got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. Um, we are, again, happy Mother's Day. We're going to be talking about a lady in Scripture. Can you look to your neighbor and say, lady? Now look to your other neighbor and say, that's right, it's a lady. Okay, don't say it creepy, though. Lady. All right. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about, I had too much sleep last night. Today we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk from Judges chapter 4. 
and we're going to be talking about a judge by the name of Deborah. Um, she's actually a pretty interesting woman that's mentioned in the Bible. Uh, she's the only woman in the Bible to become a national leader. Uh, she was a prophet, she was a judge, and she was a singer, a poet-singer. Talk about versatility, huh? A prophet, a judge, and a, a singer. In fact, in Judges chapter 5, we see that she wrote a duet with someone else. She might be similar to, I don't know, if you think of Jay-Z and Beyonce, or maybe you think of, maybe to go a little bit more, uh, um, I don't know, uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, or you might think of Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, right? Or to go a little bit further back, you might think of uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither. I don't know. So she was a prophet, she was a judge, and she was a poet-singer. And God had a very creative role for her in the Bible, and I would uh, wager to say that God has a very creative role for women. Amen? And so thank you. One, one, thank you very much. So God, has a very, God had a very creative role for her, and God has a very creative role for you. He had a very creative role uh, in women throughout biblical history, and I think we can see that God still uses women today in, in, in amazing and versatile ways. So let me set the stage for you, okay? Now, this, this kind of overlaps a little bit. We did a, a warrior series a couple years, a couple years ago, a couple years ago, a couple, a couple weeks ago, and we talked about um, the setting for the book of Judges. Um, in, in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So there was no king. Uh, there was no belief in God. Uh, more, it was kind of like moral and, spir- and, and spiritual anarchy. There was no governing guidance. There was no standard for right. There was no standard for wrong. People had their own truth. Moral relativism was kind of at its finest at that moment in time. And it's interesting how even if you look at what's happening today, it's very similar, isn't it? There's no right. There's no wrong. There's no truth. Everyone's truth. It's whatever your truth is. If this is what you believe, that's cool. If that's what you believe, that's cool. And so we see a lot of similarities between what was happening in the book of Judges and also what is happening today. And so it's interesting how the enemy just has the same routine, the same attack, the same things over and over and over and over again. Sometimes I look at these people and I'm like, why in the world? Like, 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 you, like you keep on messing up again and again and again and again. Like, why do you keep on doing that? And then I look at my own life and I'm like, oh, why do I keep on messing up again and again and again and again and again and again and again? And again? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the Apostle Paul who said, you know, uh, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. <laughs> I don't want to do, those are the things that I do and the things that I, um, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And you just, again, you see this pattern with the people of Israel, and you see this pattern uh, throughout the New Testament. You see this pattern even in our own lives. And so, I don't know if you can kind of picture uh, them, the people of Israel at this time. There was no king. There was no belief in God. Uh, moral, spiritual anarchy. There was no governing guidance. There was no standard for right. There was no standard for wrong. People had their own truth. Moral uh, relativism at its finest. And we come into Judges chapter 4. And this is what it says. When Ehud was dead, in fact, if you, you can read about Ehud in Judges chapter 3, he was a left-handed man that stabbed someone with a sword. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again. They did it again. In fact, you see this 
repetitive thing in the book of Judges where they would sin and the Canaanites would come down and they would punish them and God would bring the Canaanites in and then, and then they would repent and God would raise up a judge and the judge would come in and deliver them from freedom. And then they would sin again and then they would be in oppression again and then God again would bring up a judge and would deliver them from freedom. And then they would sin again and then um, the Canaanites would come down and they would oppress them and then God would, um, they'd call out and God would deliver a judge and they'd deliver them from freedom. So we see this again and again and again and again and again. And when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The camp commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Horasheth uh, Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. For Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, which is a pretty impressive army. And for 20 years, he harshly oppressed them. For 20 years. For 20 years, he oppressed them. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So here's the situation. There's no king. Uh, there is uh, no belief in God. Everyone did what they wanted. There was no standard for right. There was no standard for wrong. The people of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And God raised up a king named Jabin from Canaan. And he came in with his 900 iron uh, chariots and began to oppress the people of Israel harshly, very harshly. And so there was a woman named Deborah, and it says, essentially there were three things about her. She was a wife, amen? Do we have any wives in the house? No one, wow, okay. She was a wife. How many of you guys know being a wife ain't easy? Praise the Lord. Okay, she was a wife. <laughs> Just I'm gonna provide some marriage counseling after this. There was a wife, she was a wife, she was a prophet, and in the Old Testament, there were, there were two types of spiritual leaders. There were priests, and there were prophets. Do you guys know the difference between a priest and a prophet? A priest was someone who represented the people before God, and a prophet was someone that represented God to the people. Uh, they were someone that had to hear from God and listen to him speak. They're almost like a, a radio who, who a, radio a radio receiver that would receive and transmit. They'd hear from the Lord, and then once they heard from the Lord, they would go and they'd talk to the people. So I, I imagine Deborah was someone who was in touch with the Spirit of God. She was in touch with the voice of God, and when she heard the voice of God, she would, she would speak it to the people. Amen? So she was, she, she was a wife. She was a prophet. She was someone who was in touch with the Spirit. And she, and she was so in tune that she could, she could speak for God to the people. That's exciting. And also, it says that she was a judge. She was a wife, she was a prophet, and she was a judge. Judges, stereotypically, in the book of Judges, uh, were warriors and they were fighters. And they would often go and they'd kill a bunch of people and they'd lead the people of Israel into, in, in, into battle. And, and that, that is true with her, if we're going to keep on reading the story. That is true with her. But also, um, it's interesting that, that not only was she a warrior judge, but it also appears that she was a judicial judge. People would come to her under the palm tree. 
and she would share wisdom with them, and she would um, talk with them, and she would give them comfort in the shade. People would take their time. She was full of care and compassion and wisdom and strength in helping others. She was a wife. She was a prophet. She was a judge. Okay? I'm going to read the rest of the story, and then I have just a couple of observations for you, and then I'll let you guys go at about 5 o'clock. Okay? And Barak said to her, <laughs> and Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. So they're going into battle. Now Heber, the Kenite of the children of uh, Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the, Canaanite, from, from, from the Canaanites and pitched his tent near the Terebith tree of Zanaim, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abadom, Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered there together with all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him, from Harasheth, Hagoyim, to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, with 10,000 following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera aligned from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth Hagoyim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. So they came and they, this battle, they just destroyed all of them. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Joel, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was a place between Jabin, king of, of, of Hazor, and the house of uh, Hebor, the Kenite. And Joel went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you, say, Is there, and says, Is there any man here? You shall say, No. Then Joel, Herber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, and he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Joel came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into, into, and he went, and when he went into her tent, there, there, lay, there lay Sisera, dead with a peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued 
subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. God, I just thank you again that we have this time to come together, Father. I just pray that you'll minister to us. I pray that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to what you have for us, Father. I just pray that your truths will come alive this morning, Father. I pray that you, um, that these words that were written so many years ago will just speak to us again today and bring life into our hearts, into our minds, Father. I pray for those maybe this morning who maybe their hearts have become hardened, or maybe there are, there, there are those this morning that they're going through some difficult times. Maybe they feel like they've been getting oppressed by the enemy again and again and again. Father, maybe there are those who um, feel like they, they're in the darkest valley, or there are those who feel like they're in, a, in the slimy pit. Father, I, I pray that you'll bring us encouragement as we read your word and as we talk about this prophet named Deborah, who um, judged so many years ago, Father. God, I thank you for her courage and her obedience and her wisdom, Father. And I just pray that you will do the work this morning and that your word will come alive. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. So I wrote a couple of thoughts down. It's kind of a crazy story. So the, 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 this, the Canaanites were oppressing the Israelites, um, and there's this judge named Deborah, and she leads the people of Israel into battle, and the, um, there's, a, there, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stake that another lady drives through some guy's head, and it's just kind of a, kind of a crazy story. Um, but I guess specifically, I, w- I was looking at, at Deborah, and I was thinking, man, she's kind of a, again, she was a wife, she was a prophet, she was a judge. Um, just some interesting things. I wrote down a couple of interesting things about her. Because I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wonder, like, you know, um, like, what can we learn from her? So the, I wrote a couple of things, things down for us this morning. So if you got your pens, you can write this down. First of all, I wrote down that she... She was waiting for God's timing. She was waiting for God's timing. Do you guys want to write that down? She was waiting. She was waiting for God's timing. She was waiting for God's timing. Waiting on God's timing can be difficult, can't it? Especially when you have your own plans. Uh, especially when you have your own agenda. Especially when you're being oppressed, especially when you're when you're maybe maybe you feel like you're in a valley or in a dark time, waiting on God's timing can be difficult. And if you look at Judges chapter four verse three again closely, you, again you can see that Jabin had been oppressing them for not not one year, not two years, not three years, not four years, not five years, not six years, not but he'd been oppressing them for 20 years. Can, can you imagine waiting for 20 years for something to happen? I mean, maybe some of you can. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've waited a long time for something. You've been praying to God for something. You've been praying for deliverance from something. You've been praying for something, to, like, something like, like, I remember when I was younger, I remember I, I, I really wanted to have a girlfriend, you know, because I was homeschooled, and I was kind of nerdy. I'm like, I really 
want a girlfriend. And I prayed for a girlfriend for the longest time. And finally, when I was 18 years old, praise the Lord, I met Aaron and uh, waiting can be difficult. (laughs) Waiting can be hard. Waiting can make you question God. Especially when you don't know everything that's going to happen. You know, when, and especially when you're in the middle of a trial. And when you're in a trial for a long time. You're in a trial for, for a long time. So anyone ever felt like you've been in a valley for a long, long time? And you're, you're praying and you're seeking God. And it seems like he's, maybe it doesn't seem like, maybe it seems like, seems like he's silent. You're waiting. You're waiting. God, please answer me. God, please move. God, please do your thing. And, and, and while you're waiting, it's like the sky's falling. While you're waiting, you lose your job. While you're waiting, you lose a loved one. While you're waiting for things to happen, your finances fall apart. While you're waiting... waiting for God's timing. It's interesting that she wasn't waiting, she wasn't patiently wasting, but she was actively waiting. She wasn't patiently wasting, but she was actively waiting. This is, I think, what sometimes happens when adversity comes. This is sometimes what happens when we're going through a valley. Either number one, we run and we hide. Does anyone else hide from adversity? You just, you just go find the basement door, open it, close it, wait. Are they gone yet? Nope, they're still here. Are they gone yet? Nope, they're still here. Are they go- like some of us, we, we, we like we, in our waiting, we're, we're hiding while we're waiting. Anyone ever been there before where you're hiding while you're waiting? You just, you don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to talk about anything. You don't want to converse with it. You're just, you're, you're wait, you're, 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 you're waiting, but you're, you're hiding while you're waiting. And some of you, when, when you're waiting, when you're waiting, you're instead of, instead of, instead of actively waiting, you're, you're, you, 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 you sit down and you're waiting and you're eating Cheetos and you're drinking Mountain Dew and you're not actively waiting. You're patiently wasting. You're just patiently wasting. You know what? I'm just going to wait until the Lord speaks with a, with a loud thunder. I'm going to wait till the Lord speaks with, um, you know, a, a flash of lightning. I'm going to wait till the Lord speaks with a Mount Sinai experience. I'm going to wait till the Lord speaks, and he just, he just drops that job into my lap. I'm going to wait till the Lord speaks, and he just gives me that perfect spouse who doesn't argue with me. I'm just going to wait till the Lord speaks, and all the stars are going to align. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to patiently waste, waste instead of actively wait. Can I be honest? I think sometimes we patiently waste instead of actively waiting. For 20 years, Jabin was oppressing the people of Israel. For 20 years. And look at what Deborah was doing. She was actively waiting for God. She was, she was a wife. She was growing as a wife. She was a prophet. She was, 
She was growing in her faith. She was being in touch with the Spirit. She was being in touch with God's voice. She was studying the Scripture. People were coming to her and asking her for wisdom and asking her for, for guidance. She was, she was judging. She was growing in her, in her wisdom. She, she was actively waiting. She was act, actively waiting for the Lord to move. She was, doing, and she was doing all these things while being harshly oppressed by Jabin. Hardship is not a reason to step back and give up or patiently waste. Hardship is not a reason to step back and give up or patiently waste. Hardship, trials, valleys are an opportunity to learn and grow and actively wait. Hardship reveals the condition of your heart. Hardship is not the reason to step back and give up or patiently waste. Hardship is an opportunity to learn and grow. She was waiting for God's timing. She was actively waiting. How many of us are patiently wasting? And how many of us are actively waiting? You know, maybe the Lord hasn't spoken. Maybe you're waiting in the season. Maybe you're sitting in your valley. And like, How many of us are patiently wasting? And how many of us are actively waiting? She was waiting on God's timing. Also, she was courageously obedient. Not only was she waiting on God's timing, but she was courageously obedient. Look at verses 6 and 7 again of chapter 4. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of uh, Abinam from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord of Israel commanded you, go and deploy the troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali, of the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the, uh, and against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitudes at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hands. Like, I, sometimes I, I, so, so she, she was courageously obedient, but sometimes I wonder, like, how did she, how did she know that God was speaking? How did she know that, that, that he had, how, how did she know that he had moved? How did she know that, yeah, have you ever been there before? Like, like, like you kind of want to know what, what, what God's plan is for you. Like, you want to know, like, where is he sending me? What does he want me to do? Like, he's given me these talents, and I think, I think I'm supposed to use them somewhere, but I don't really know where. Like, who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to go to school? Anyone else, like, you ever have those questions before? Like, or, or, or maybe I should quit my job. Maybe I should go somewhere else. Maybe I, should, maybe I should become a missionary and go to Africa. Like, God, if you just told me where to go, then I'd do what you ask me to do. How did she know? She knew because in her valley, she was actively waiting. She was already in touch with the Spirit. She was already in the Word. She was already studying the Scripture. She was actively waiting. You know, I think sometimes we don't hear from God because we're not connected to His presence, right? 
Sometimes we don't hear from God because we don't get into his word. Sometimes we don't hear from God. And sometimes we don't hear from God just because we want to be disobedient. Obviously, Barack already heard what he was supposed to do. And she's like, hey, hold on, Barack. This is what, don't, don't, like the way she words this, she's like, haven't you already, like God has already spoken to you. Sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't follow because we just, we don't have the receptors up. We're not listening. We're not reading. We're not, we're not talking to people. But sometimes we don't listen because we're disobedient. We just, I, you know, that's a little out of my comfort zone. I'm not sure if I should come up on Sunday and do announcements and pray in front of people. That's kind of wild. I don't know if I should lead worship. That's kind of, I, serving in the kids ministry is, I don't know if that, like, may, you know, maybe I, 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 yeah, no, no, that's not me. Think about all the obstacles to Deborah's obedience to the Lord, okay? First of all, they were going up, they were fighting people that had 900 iron chariots, which, I mean, in, in, in the natural sense, it would have just been a, a mass slaughter. So it would have seemed like you're leading your people to the slaughter. That's not very exciting, okay? Second of all, if you read in Judges chapter 5, you see that when she went and tried to recruit a bunch of people, a lot of the tribes said, yeah, we're not going to help you. So she didn't have full support. Barak seemed tentative. And also in, in Judges chapter 5, you read that they didn't have any weapons. The Canaanites had oppressed them so much that they didn't have any weapons. So can you imagine you're telling all these people to go into war, you're going to go against all these iron chariots and these mighty warriors, and um, I'm going to give you some sticks to go and fight a battle with. I'm going to give you some ox goads. I'm going to give you some stones to throw at people, just a bunch of farmers. Doesn't sound good, does it? But she was courageously obedient. Courageously obedient. Man, when God speaks in your life, when God says something in your spirit, I don't know if you've ever had this before and you're like, I, I don't, but when God, when God speaks something into your life, and if you, if, you, if you follow his leading, if you follow his calling, if you follow his move, if you listen to his spirit and, and you take a step out in faith, God will meet you in a supernatural way. God will change you and stretch you in ways that you've never imagined. God will give you the faith and the courage to do the things that he has called you to. God will orchestrate things that that, that in the natural seem impossible, but in the supernatural, the only way you can look at it and say, to God be the glory. When you are courageously obedient, and he speaks, these, a lot of times, oh, I find when God speaks and he, and he says these things that seem incredibly impossible, God wants to display his miraculous wonder working supernatural power in you. And he wants to use you to make a difference in the kingdom. And, and the, the, the crazy thing, I, I think good leaders, this is, the, this, is, this, is, this, is the, this is the truth, good leaders, good leaders push other people to get, get out of their comfort zone, right? They push them to do things that they never thought they would do before. 
Like, like Deborah, she talks to Barack. She's like, hey, I want you to, this is, this is what the Lord said. Like, she sees it prophetically. She sees it like, this is, this is where I see you're supposed to go. This is what I see you're supposed to do. Barack is like, this is kind of out of my comfort zone because, you know, we have some people, but we don't have a lot of people, and none of them have weapons, and there's not even a blacksmith around, so we can't even make weapons, and they have a bunch of iron chariots, and I just don't know. This is kind of out of my comfort zone. Good, that's what good leaders do. They push you out of your comfort they push you into your calling. They, they, they push you into victory, amen? I don't know if you've ever had someone who's pushed you to do something that you, you're like, I don't know about that. And then once you've done it, you're like, wow, I can really sense that God's, like, that, like, that God was speaking through this person to me. First time you served, maybe. First time you did announcements, maybe. First time you sang a special. First time, like, I, I think that's where, that's where God really moves, when we move beyond our comfort, she was courageously obedient. And finally, she had a new song. Can you look to your neighbor and say, new song? Now look to your other neighbor and say, new song. New song. She had a new song. She had a new song. She was waiting on God's timing. She was courageously obedient. And God gave her a new song. Amen? How many of you feel like you've just been singing the same song for a long time? Just the same song every day? You've just been singing the same song? The same song like, the, this is the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And so just because it is a song that it would feel like you're just singing the same song and like when you first hear it you're so excited about your song you've been singing the song you're like yeah the song the song the song and then after a while it's like I just, I'm singing the same song and the, this song is actually after a while this song is kind of depressing this song that never ends it's depressing I hear it and I just feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. I keep on singing, and I'm, I, I feel like, you know, the, the, the song that used to bring me happiness, now it brings me sadness. The song, like the things that I was so excited about before, I'm not excited about them anymore. Like, everything seems so mundane, and everything seems so, like, I'm just going through the motions again and again and again. I've just been singing the same song. The song is starting to drive me nuts. In fact, when other people talk to me, they know that I'm singing the same song. And they, they, I feel like other people are getting annoyed with me because when I go to them and I talk to them, they hear me singing the same song. Yeah, my job, my life, my work, my wife, my husband. Like, it's the same song over and over and over and over again. But did you know that the Lord has given you a new song this morning? Amen? He's given you a new song. He's given you something that you can sing that's different. You can sing the victory of his praises. Amen? You don't have to keep on living in defeat. You don't have to keep on living in, in the pit. You don't have to keep on living in the valley. But the Lord has given you a new song this morning. We can see this in scripture. This happens a lot of times where there's, 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 there's some type of adversity. Like when the people of Israel were, were coming out of Egypt and the Egyptians were chasing them and they come to the Red Sea and they were trapped by the Red Sea and they're like, oh my goodness, what, what, what are we going to do? We're going to die. We're, we're stuck here and the, the Egyptians are going to kill us. And Moses, what have you done? You've led us to this terrible spot. But Moses, like I led you supernaturally, lifts up his staff and they walk through the Red Sea, the, the waters part. They walk through the Red Sea and the Egyptians chase them into the Red Sea. And, and on the dry ground, the Red Sea, and the water comes and encloses them and destroys all of the all of the Egypt all of the Egyptian army. And it says afterwards they sang a song of victory on the other side 
as they, had, as, they, as they crossed the Red Sea. Amen? Like, the Lord gave them a new song when they got across the Red Sea, and they started singing a new song. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 15, I think it is, where there was suddenly a song of praise and a song of rejoicing. There was a change in the atmosphere. There was a change in, in their hearts, in their condition. In, in the, like, they were no longer in bondage anymore, and the Lord gave them a new song. The Lord has given you a new song this morning. He's given you freedom in Jesus' name this morning. We can see this also, I think it's in the book of 2 Samuel chapter, I think it's chapter 22, where David was, he was uh, fighting um, the Philistines, and he was fighting the six-fingered giant, and he, he defeats these, these, these people in this, in this, in this place, and, and it says that after he won the battle, he, he sang a song. The Lord gave him a new song, which is awesome, so he started singing this song of this rejoicing of what had happened after he had beaten uh, these Philistines. We can also see it when Jonah, when he was, um, when he was, uh, when he was running away from the Lord, and, and there was a storm, and he was thrown, and he, he was put in the belly of the fish. It says that when he was in the belly of the fish in Jonah chapter 2, it says that he wrote a poem to the Lord, and the Lord gave him a new song in his heart. And we see this also with Deborah and Barak, after they had um, fought this army and after they had defeated these Canaanites who'd been oppressing them for 20 years, harshly for 20 years, after they destroyed all these chariots and completely wiped out the army, we can see in Judges chapter 5 that God gave Deborah and Barak a new song to sing. God has a new song for you this morning. You don't have to keep on singing the same old song again. You don't have to keep on letting the enemy come in again and again and again and, and, and oppress you again and again and again. You don't have to give in to um, the temptation again and again and again. You might be in the valley. You might be uh, feeling discouraged. But I want to encourage you to wait patiently for God's timing, to be courageously obedient, and to sing the new song that the Lord has given you. I love what it says in Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. And he also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. And he's put a new song in my mouth. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to God. Many will see it and fear it, and I will trust in the Lord. Why don't you guys stand up this morning? Some of you have been patiently wasting. Some of you have been looking at the enemy, looking at his army instead of realizing that God wants to do the supernatural in you. Some of you have been singing the same old song over and over and over again. But the Lord wants to do a work in your heart Lord wants to give you a new song this morning. He wants to bring healing this morning. He wants to transform this morning. He wants to transform you from the inside out. 
Some of you think God has forgotten about you. You think, oh, man, he's forgotten about you. But he, he sees you right where you're at. He's given you gifts and abilities to make a difference in his kingdom. He's just asking you to be obedient.